Welcome to this podcast that is all about funding. From grants to crowdfunding, I will be answering questions and providing tips and advice on how to best move forward in securing grants and funding for your nonprofit, research, or business. My name is Holly Rustic, and I'm creator of WeGo Consulting and Amazon best-selling author for wish-granted tips, tools, and templates to write a winning grant. Want to get more grant writing and funding resources, books, and online courses? Visit www.grantwritingandfunding.com or wegogrants.com. Check out our free templates. Or if you have any grant writing or funding questions, you can always send me an email at hollywego at gmail.com. That's H-O-L-L-Y-W-E-G-O at gmail.com. I'm excited to hear from you and to try my best to answer any questions so that you can increase your funding and impact your community and the world at large. So let's get started because money can be groovy. Hey, Changemakers. It's Holly Rustic here, and we are celebrating the middle of October at the time of this recording. So we are coming up to our Halloween kind of area, and I'm a part of a a Facebook group, um, which if you have not, you know, joined that group, please do. It is Fund My Nonprofit, and that is on Facebook. You can just um, go ahead and see what kind of things we have to offer. I'm one of the contributors, as well as Steve Vick from Nonprofit Ally, who has a lot of crowdfunding experience and he gives a lot of tips and just free stuff on that Facebook and answers questions as well as Alexander Black and she does a lot with earned income so it's really cool that we all focus on different niches within the nonprofit world and we're there kind of like as a team or as a group to kind of support you in your nonprofit or as a grant writer you know look when you come up across things or have questions or challenges or you just want to celebrate your wins and solutions you can totally jump on there and um, you know get that access so please Please do. But anyways, we were kind of talking about this. It was kind of fun to say, okay, you know, like it's coming into October. Let's do some posts that are kind of, you know, seasonal and, and kind of respond to that. So, and then I was thinking, well, why can't I do the same for the podcast? It's actually a really good idea to kind of, you know, respond to some of these topics that we came up with. And, you know, they're kind of funny, but they're true, right? <laughs> so anyways, yeah, I just want to go ahead and talk about this topic today that we're going to be talking about is the frightening fundraiser crash. All right. So basically what it it is is when you've trying to put that or you put all this energy and time into organizing a fundraiser and then all of a sudden you know it just doesn't happen the way that you set out for it to happen and that can be really discouraging I've put on so many fundraisers and I can tell you they have not all been aces and um, but I've learned a lot so I can really help increase and you know each time they get better and better so I really want to kind of share some tips with you guys today about those fundraisers to make the best fundraisers possible. And I know this is grant writing, but it's also a funding podcast. And that's why we talk about, you know, different types of funding a lot as well. So a fundraiser, you know, lots of people and nonprofits, you're going to do one as a grant writer, a freelancer, you might be asked to assist or spearhead a fundraiser, that might be something you want to grow in your business. So here are some ideas today. All right, so let's get into it. So you've planned and you've planned and you have planned. All right, the fundraiser is all set up, you've sold the tickets, and you have a lot more to sell at the door. You've got the raffle tickets ready the marketing has been amazing and then and then (laughs) it rains like crazy or it snows or it hails or whatever it does traffic's backed up people just want to be home tonight or today right you know what I mean whenever your fundraiser is and that's happened even for me personally you know um, my friend she had this amazing art exhibit where she paints wedding dresses like old wedding dresses actually really cool if you're interested in her she's at creativeindeed.com and what she does is you know you've used your wedding dress once 
a lot of times you're not gonna ever use it again, right? So her whole thing was, hey, if you've got a wedding dress and you're just gonna you know, keep it in a box for the rest of your life and never use it again, why don't you shake it off and I can paint on it and then you can wear it. It'll be transformed into a new gown that you can wear at the next gala or whatever, you know, big fancy night out or at your, you know, anniversary. Like how cool is that? And she does this beautiful painting and it's basically a white canvas for her, right? Because most wedding dresses are white or ivory. So it's actually super cool. Anyway, she had this event going on and she even had, you know, it was in the newspaper. She actually made the front page of the newspaper about her event coming up. It was at this clothing store um, that sells gowns and wedding dresses, of course. And, it, you know, all food, drinks, all this stuff going on. I think she was even doing some painting live and she just had all these dresses that she had developed that you could come and check out. Really cool. Good friend of mine. Really wanted to go. Totally intending to go that night. But what happened was it just, it was a Friday evening around six and it just rained awfully. It was terrible. It was also payday for the government. The roads were blocked. It was terrible traffic, terrible weather. And the bottom line was like, I'm so sorry. I'm just not gonna be able to make it because I just didn't want to get out in that, you know? And a lot, that's what a lot of people, that's what happens. Fully intending to go to your fundraiser, really wanting to support it. But when it comes down to it, some other things get in the way that that weather, that traffic, whatever it may be, that you know, kind of inhibits them from going. So, and a lot of times they'll be like, oh, I'll just catch up the pictures on social media or whatever, right? And that happened to a lot of people that night that were intending to go to her event. They just couldn't make it. And, you know, and, and that's one thing that you have to do as, as an event coordinator as, or if you're putting on an event, you have to understand that something like that may happen. All right, so let's just get into this. So the frightening fundraiser crash, all right, it sucks. Like it really bites. And I've seen not just not just my friend Michelle, but a lot of people put like spending hundreds of hours organizing a fundraiser. And then at the last minute, something out of their control happens and it sends all their work into disarray. So what do you do when this happens? All right, so here are some ideas to either prevent that or to rebound from it. So number one, prepare for the worst. An out of control event can impact your fundraiser, whether that be a storm, your main speaker getting sick or the power going out. Your job in preparing an event is to set up a contingency plan for anything you can think of. Think plan B when you are planning out your event. All right, so in the planning process and phase, you should actually come up with a mitigation plan with a contingency plan, right? So this contingency planning should be included in your fundraiser committee agenda. What if it storms? Can we move the date? Can we sell the goods? Can we move inside? Can we rotate the schedule? These are all things that you want to be asking. So the first and foremost is to come up with a contingency plan and try to work on prevention. All right, so anytime you're planning an event, just think it's not all going to be roses. Think what's the worst that can happen? What would we do? Yay, that will that will be amazing. And you know, I honestly think sometimes if you start preparing for the worst, like it just doesn't happen. <laughs> I don't know. It's like almost like you set out karma to be like, okay, we got it set up. So everything goes well. All right. Number two, make sure you have a clause in your vendor contract. All right. Just a couple of weeks ago, I'm a part of the Guam Women's Chamber of Commerce and we had our annual golf tournament fundraiser. And well, we were going to, <laughs> but on the day that we had everything planned, you know, to kick off and golf fundraisers, this is notorious, right? Because it's all about weather, a tropical storm warning, you know, we had a tropical storm come through. And you know, so of course, we had to reschedule it and we rescheduled it to the next weekend. But you know what, how we could do this, because that's a lot of money. I mean, if you're organizing a fundraiser or, or a golf tournament, and you have to get, you know, 
you have to be able to have your tournament that weekend. There's a lot of tournaments going on. So the people there, you know, they really want to make sure that they have the schedule. So you really need to look at your contracts and something called a force measure, which I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, (laughs) but there's a clause in it. And basically that's your act of God clause. So make sure you always put that into your contracts and you can consult your lawyer or legal department about that. But I would definitely say that's something that you should look at. And that's basically where it says fires, earthquakes, hurricanes, that sort of thing. If that is to happen, the venues and vendors have the right to cancel the event and reschedule it at no cost, right? So you want to make sure that you have that in there and not like, oh my gosh, they're still going to charge us even if we cancel this at the last minute because of, you know, usually weather or act of God, right? That's something definitely to have in your contracts. And we were able to do that. We were able to schedule it for the next weekend at no cost to us and um, get the word out early enough that people still showed up the next weekend. It was absolutely gorgeous day the next weekend. We made, you know, a really, it was a wonderful fundraiser. But that day with a tropical storm, obviously that would not have been a good show up (laughs) for the players and we wouldn't have sold as many raffle tickets and they wouldn't have had as good time and blah, 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 right? So (laughs) there you go. Number three, pre-sell your tickets, but include a rain or shine clause. Now I've seen a lot of people pre-sell tickets and the problem with if you do not have a rain or shine, and this is specifically if it's outside, right? Then people are going to be confused. If it's raining, they're going to be, you know, you're going to get a flood of emails or social media posts or whatnot. Is this still going on? Like what's happening? And you're going to get people that might be mad if you shut it down or if you just, you know, whatever. So it, they've paid for those tickets and you don't have that clause. So maybe you don't have the time to reschedule the event as halfway through it pours down buckets, right? So you make sure you have that rain or shine uh, clause on the tickets and try fun in the puddles or better yet keep a stock full of swag umbrellas ready to go like whatever the kind of weather it might be it might be rain or snow right or snow or or wait sun or snow I don't know whatever your climate is in but make sure you have those you know what time of year and the other reason is that the major reason for putting this rain or shine clause on the tickets and event marketing so don't just put it on the tickets also put it on your landing page or whatever else or on your website wherever you're marketing the event you know you could have it if you're making a social media post like it's like a tiny little thing in the corner this is you know rain or shine um uh but is it provides transparency right people know beforehand that they are taking a risk of buying the ticket and it will eliminate complaints and people demanding refunds so if it does rain halfway through and you have to shut down your event you're not going to have people saying i want my money back because i paid for these tickets because right there it was transparent that it was a risk for them as well so that is really important all right number four is to just plan in the best seasons all right so on guam we have a rainy and a dry season therefore it really does make a difference when we plan outdoor events. I mean, sure, we're in a tropical climate and it could rain at any time, but at least statistically, we have a better chance in February to have a sunny day compared to September. And this also reminds me about the East Coast. It's not just here, right? I mean, we all live in seasonal areas. And man, I swear on the East Coast when I was living outside of DC, every March, it was like around March or April, there's always a final ice storm. And this is like after the snow is melted and there's hardly anything left and everyone's like, it's spring now or it's coming into spring and then it's like mother nature's like one last go and um 
Yeah. And there's this huge ice storm. It's like every single year and it shuts down all the airports. One time we were out in California at a conference during this when the ice storm came and we were actually quote unquote stuck in California for an entire week. And I'd say that because people are with was with at the time they all, you know, had kids and everything. So they were really bummed about it. But I didn't have any kids at the time or anything. So I was like, yay, I'm in California for a week. It's beautiful weather. And everyone on the East Coast is like an ice, you know, so in the ice storm. But um, it really, you know, this does make a difference because it's not just about having an outdoor event when you're thinking about the seasons. It's about, you know, is the airport going to shut down in March? Yes, we do have an ice storm every year. So is that such a good idea to have this big event where people are flying in or, you know, they're going to be having to drive around the city because, you know, it's going to shut down. <laughs> like, um, of course, you can't, you know, totally can't always expect any of these things. But if you have a good idea on trends, I would say look at those seasonal trends, you know, so definitely that's something to look into. Okay, and number five, lastly, is go online instead. I mean, maybe you don't need to have a full out brick and mortar, you know, in person live event. On The trend these days is doing more events such as launching summits and conferences online. Uh, one of my favorite authors, Honoré Corder, and you should totally check her out. She's amazing. HonoréCorder.com. Um, she said she used to love doing book tours in different cities. She's an author, right? So she, yeah, she writes a lot of books and a lot of books for business. And even she has a single mom series. Just really cool. But anyway, she used to do a lot of book tours in different cities, but she said it just started costing way too much and impacting her quality of life. Like she's away all the time, you know, especially as a single mom, right? And that was just, it was too much. So she switched to online launches as she felt like it had more impact and was way more cost effective. And I definitely see this with nonprofits doing fundraisers as well. Crowdfunding is a great way to go as you're able to reach out to way more people and are not relying on the brick and mortar woos, right? Or So like, oh my gosh, that can be so like stressful when you have those things pop up that we talked about before. I've even seen this a lot with bands and stuff like musicians and a lot of stuff is going more online, online launches and, and people are actually really receptive to that. So that is something you could think about as well and it doesn't necessarily have to be a crowd funder you could just be doing a fundraising event and we can talk about the differences of those two in another episode that actually might be something really cool to talk about how a crowd funder and doing an online fundraiser event is different you know it's more of like a fundraiser launch but anyways those are some great ideas that you can go through just ways to prevent ways to mitigate the frightening fundraiser crash all right so make sure you plan for the worst have a clause in your contract, have rain or shine or snow or ri- shine <laughs> or hail or whatever it is, you know, on your tickets, um, plan in the best season and go online with your fundraising. All of these items will ensure that you have the best event yet. All right, guys, so I will see you next week. I hope you're having a fabulous week and I would love, 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 love if you could share with me any of your grant writing or funding wins. So send me an email, hollywego at gmail.com and let me know is, you know, have there been any grants that you've written recently that you've gotten awarded? Have you, you know, gotten anything like a fundraising solicitation? You got funding from different corporations? Like, just let me know some of your wins and I will share that those on this podcast. I think it's really, really cool. Just personally at WeGo, we recently just secured a Six hundred and I think it's about six hundred and forty thousand dollar grant for a nonprofit, which is helping with youth who are in poverty and different summer camp and 
like intergenerational programs. Really, really, really cool. So I'm excited about that. So a little little brag myself. And we've also secured another grant just for about 2,300. But hey, little bits even count, man, because this is paying, this is actually from the Payless Foundation, which is a really cool like grocery store on Guam. And they're funding one of the organizations we work with um, that provides uh, another different organization actually that has youth project as well, but it's culinary classes with elders and with young girls. So they're actually paying for the food for those culinary classes. So that's how they're going to be supporting that with that 2,300 plus a little bit different than that, but so it's rounding it. So that's really, really cool. So yeah, we've been definitely um, pulling in some different grants and really excited about it. But I love to share what that means, right? Because remember, it's not all about the money, but it's about what the money does, what the mechanism of the money does. It provides these really cool projects. And like, so let's hear about your funding and how did it impact your project? And what is it doing? So please let me know. And I will definitely be sharing. I'll share with that with others just to kind of, you know, let's get back and give each other some motivation that there's still monies out there. There's monies out there that are funding awesome projects that you guys do and that you are changing the world. All right, guys, I will see you next week. All right, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's show. As always, please feel free to send me an email if you have any grant writing or funding questions to hollywego at gmail.com. If you enjoy listening to the grant writing and funding podcast, then I would love to ask you a favor. Please leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. Thanks again for listening and go get funded.